What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Makers Weekly. My name is Dan Parsons, and I am your host. This week, we talk with Sam Matthews, founder of Sync. As a struggling documentary filmmaker, he was having an issue scheduling workers on his film site. So in an effort to scratch his own itch, what did he do? Of course, he built an MVP, taught himself to code, and is now getting 50 to 100 new businesses signed up daily. Yes, daily. We explore no-code product development, web mobile hybrid technologies, app store optimization, and much more. So without further ado, let's welcome Sam Matthews. Hey, Sam, really appreciate you coming on the show here. Uh, To get started, do you mind giving us a quick overview on what Sync is? Uh, Yeah, hi, nice to be here. Um, It's basically a software as a service, uh, time and attendance and job tracking software uh, aimed more towards smaller businesses and blue collar businesses. So you help blue collar companies manage their workforce, like their hourly workers? Yeah, particularly hourly workers and and especially in industries where... uh, the hours worked are like very important in terms of the costs of the operations and things. Uh, so we, we help employers know, you know, where the, the staff were, what they were doing. Um, and also a nice transparent channel so that both the staff and the employees can see exactly how much they're going to get paid and things. I know you have a pretty interesting story about how you came up with this concept. I know there was some time spent in Africa and, and there was a documentary involved. Do you mind giving yeah. us a, a quick background about, you know, how you how you got started in technology maybe and then, you know, how you came across the idea for Sync? Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, it was a bit of a, a windy road uh, to end up here. But basically the way it started is uh, for a long time I worked with my friend Sam Dobau, who's my co founder, and he uh, he had a marquee hire company. And so he used to employ a range of laborers and, you know, they were, you know, for example, he used to get subsidies from uh, employing guys out of prison and things. So they were like a range of uh, skill levels and he was endlessly trying to find uh, a good time tracking solution that fit their uh, kind of way of using it and that wasn't too problematic for them. Um, and so I was at the time, like for a lot of years, I was basically like a struggling filmmaker and I'd made one uh, 40-minute documentary, and I was in Tanzania trying to make my first feature-length documentary. And so I was kind of halfway through that process and sort of resigned to the thought that I was probably going to be a poor, uh, struggling filmmaker forever. <laughs> and and then um, Sam got in touch, and he was like, um, you know, I'm having problems with this with this thing with managing my, my staff hours. And he was like, how hard would it be to make, for example, like an Excel kind of based solution to this and i was like uh i'm not sure and then we, we thought well how hard would it be to actually make an app you know and, and i was like oh well because we'd always just kind of seen things and just done them so i was like well surely it can't be that hard so um yeah i was so i was living in my tent in tanzania and i just started uh watching videos on how to how to code um started with some android and some swift and then yeah ended up on making sync cookies can you walk us through that product evolution? I mean, I know the full product now isn't exactly where you started. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind telling us, you know, what did you do to, to proof of concept, you know, this idea? Uh, how did you how did you iterate from the idea to where you are now as it relates to the technical development? Yeah. So initially, uh, initially we we had these because we had no background in software. We had these sort of huge, grandeur ideas of 
everything that like imagine like the kitchen sink that you want to throw at like this product like imagine everything you could ever want whether it's like the safety compliance everything because i was just like i i'd made one i, I did this course on like uh, uh ios development mm-hmm. and i made this one messaging app and i was like oh apps are easy you know because i just followed a tutorial and did this thing so i was like yeah we're going to do this 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 and this so initially we thought we'd just do this uh the sort of clock in clock out time tracking aspect would be kind of this tiny little bit of it and so i thankfully came across uh react native because initially i i built this this sort of clock in clock out thing on an ios and android version and then i was researching like how javascript works to build a browser version and then i came across uh this hybrid approach react react native and that was you know probably saved us years of development in hindsight but so then we got uh i made a sort of mvp that just basically did that core functionality of just tracking time and we got that out to his workforce and then that was cool because we had this immediate um really deeply connected feedback loop because it was literally his employees you know and so from there we could see what was working what wasn't working and um quickly kind of fix things and and what was good is that because we had all these sort of beta testers that were like his employees any problems we had this really kind of robust way of uh getting them to report the problems back mm-hmm. you know like like we would like make them do certain things like recreate what they did take a screenshot blah 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 so it really helped uh get the product in like real people's hands in like a real use case and start really quickly figuring out what what they needed what they didn't need what was and then then what we realized was that actually just purely time tracking in itself is a lot more complicated than it seems and that that's sort of the core thing that most people need and then from there the other main things they need is the job profitability things like that so yeah got it and so uh, just so everyone knows so react and react native it's a javascript framework that allows you to build a a javascript app and then effectively you can deploy it on uh, like uh, all the native uh application types right so you can deploy yeah. to the android devices you can build deployed in iPhone applications and a, a full web application all from the same code base. Uh to some extent yeah mainly because what's like there there have been these other hybrid options you know because a lot of people looked at for example JavaScript being the one because it's the one thing that you can run in a browser a lot of people worked backwards from from JavaScript to make these hybrid things so there have been other solutions for example where people would have a a web view inside the application and then it would run like a javascript web application mm-hmm. what what's what's cool about uh, react native is basically they just made a bridge between the actual like native code of for example an iOS app and or an android app like you know like i've got a button i pressed the button you know what would happen if you were really coding in either of those platforms and they basically made made a bridge of uh, apis where you could then control that from javascript So it it's not 100% the same code that you deploy everywhere but it's basically like very close to the same code between the web and the um the mobile versions so that's that's been like amazing for our development. Um can you talk a little bit about how you managed the uh infrastructure side of the platform when you were getting started? Yeah, yeah, so that was actually a lot of these were like happy accidents and and looking back it, it's sort of I mean I was researching a lot like my philosophy was like um right from the beginning because I was so I was like not just a greenfield project but like a greenfield 
uh, software developer, you know. Um, so I, I looked at like what Google were doing, what Facebook were doing, and I was like, well, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us, you know. So, so yeah, Google had recently acquired Firebase, and we, I, I could kind of see that they were really putting a lot, lot of eggs into that basket as a sort of development platform. So, and it also allowed us to get the database aspect up and running because like, you know, with, with no background in any of this stuff, I was like looking at like how MySQL works and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, like, you know, this is also complicated. And then I, I sort of, I watched a video tutorial on Firebase and I was like, okay, this looks easy. So basically I started uh, working with that as our backend. And Do you mind then, giving us a quick overview on what Firebase is, just so the listeners know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so Firebase, in its core offering when it first began, was basically a, a real-time database service. So it would have a, a web socket that you would connect across, and then uh, basically you would have this real-time listener to your database. And all changes, you, you could determine how you were going to respond to different changes in your database. And it, it came about really through like chat applications. That was like its initial platform where it was really effective. And then Google basically acquired it and started making it a lot more holistic. And th this was, now they have two variations of the database and one is called Firestore. And I think it's a lot more kind of enterprise grade. It's more queryable and things. Whereas the first one was kind of like a, a great chat database that you could kind of shoehorn into different applications. Um, but yeah, so, so they started expanding on this platform and, and for us it was really useful because it was the it's like a turnkey database solution basically. Um, so, so, so in turn you could use Firebase instead of having to spin up your own server, install your own database and, yeah, yeah. and, and manage like any of the infrastructure components. You just, it's basically yeah, that, 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 database as a service. Yeah, that was the cool thing was because I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I mean, I'd worked, uh, I mean, back when I was still making films, I'd worked for a while in a data center, like um, trying to make up some money before I went to make this movie in Nepal. And I'd seen these like guys who were like the network engineers and like I'd look over at like the screens they were working on. I was like, oh, Jesus, like what is this stuff? So I, I didn't even like, I was like, oh, this is so overwhelming that I would have to learn about, you know, servers and uh databases and all this kind of thing. So it was really cool that basically you could install this SDK, uh, authenticate, and then they handled all the you know, infrastructure of it. So that allowed us to just make the product just so quickly, basically. Like, at least you know, get an MVP out pretty fast, like within a few months. Um, and then in terms of the back end, what was really cool about that, it was just a good uh, place in time because I was working closely with a, uh, the team that made a library which basically bridged the native Firebase SDKs for iOS and Android into React Native. And because that required some sort of special uh, coding to connect those SDKs to the JavaScript API. And at the time I started using this thing that was called Firebase Q, which was like basically you would spin up like a server on App Engine and you would push these jobs to like the real-time database. And this app engine would listen to them and do them and push them back to like a response queue. And it was quite cool. So it was kind of like an API that works like without HTTP or anything like that. Mm. And so that's just kind of what I learned to use. And then the guys who were working on it were like, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't really tell you this, but uh, that Firebase are actually going to release something basically like this as a product called um, Cloud Functions, but it's going to be integrated with the, the database like this. So it's going to be like triggered by the database. So... 
uh, right when that first was released, we were like, okay, cool, let's use this as our server, basically. So we have this kind of like unusual server infrastructure where everything's just triggered, like these small cloud functions are just triggered by changes in the database. So we don't actually have like a server. I think we, we have one app engine instance that we use to do like cron jobs, mm-hmm. but generally we don't have a server or anything like that. Got it. So you so you built this really interesting uh, this really interesting like architecture for your platform that re- you know really requires very low uh, maintenance and support and development time. Um, let's talk about how you started scaling the product. So like once you initially, you know, you had this tight feedback loop with your co-founders workers, once you started getting to the point where you were ready to deploy this to more customers, how did you think about going to market and what was your strategy there? Yeah. So it was basically like, we, we kind of fought that. I think everyone fights this battle of like what your MVP really is, you know, because, um, you, you want to get something out there and you want to get it in the hands of more users and start getting more feedback. So from the very beginning, we wanted more and more feedback because we, we had no experience in this. So that was a core thing. What we wanted was right by the support. We wanted like, you know, like feature requests, feedback, like give us as much info as possible about what you want. Um, but at the same time, you, when you, you're going to be putting things on the, the play store or the app store, you're going to live and die by reviews basically. So you, you have this kind of conflict of like, we want to get something out there, but then it needs to be kind of good enough that people aren't just going to like download it and give it like a three star review. And you know, that's going to, you're going to end up buried in the rankings, you know? So we, we just let it, I think we kept using it for about two or three months um, within his company. And then we, we kind of ironed out a lot of bugs and things and we just thought, all right, like it's time to just bite the bullet and just, just put it out there. Like it doesn't have all the stuff we want, but um, I'm sure some people would find this useful. And so at that point we just had it completely free because we thought that gives us more um, leeway for there to be problems and for it to be not perfect. And um, it just gives us a chance to put this free thing in people's hands and start getting feedback about what else they want, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, So that's what we did. We just basically, we put it out and, we sort of kind of said that it was paid, but really just gave it free for everyone. Um, so that, uh, yeah, so that we could basically just get in the hands of a lot of people. And then how did you go about acquiring the first users? I mean, I get it. You deployed it to the, the different app stores, but how did people discover it or how did you engage customers? What was your strategy around customer acquisition? Um, well, at first we, we, it was, it was, it was just this kind of like organic, growth through the rankings like we knew we we had a history in seo so we knew that we like really needed to put some effort into like aso with the descriptions on the stores and like make sure we we were targeting the right keywords we wanted and things um but basically we just sort of put that there and um you know we were happy when we get like one user would sign up we'd be like woohoo you know and <laughs> um and in the meantime like it was sort of it's almost like like it was just there as like an experiment. Like it was was there. Like we knew that as long as we weren't charging people, um, there was kind of a limit to how badly anyone could feel about it. So while we still had this thing of like, oh, it's not really ready. Like we still need to add this and we still need to add that. So we didn't really feel like we wanted to push it at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, 
basically while these people were just kind of like using it and we would like email them and be like, Hey, like, you know, like you're some of our first users, what, um, you know, what's some problems you're having? And that was kind of a double edged sword because we started coming, you know, like feedback's cool. And then some people will send you 40 emails with everything they've ever thought of doing under the sun inside an application, you know? But, um, yeah, so it kind of happened organically and almost a little bit accidentally because while we were kind of, while I was still developing more of the product and just using this little trickle of users uh, for feedback, it started, I guess, you know, that held on to them and it started sort of making its way up the different rankings. And then this sort of trickle of organic uh, users that we were just getting just kept kind of growing and growing. And so it went from, you know, we'd be happy when we'd have like two, five, you know, organizations would sign up a day. And then, you know, after like a, a year or so, we would just get like, 60 to 100 would sign up a day without doing anything, you know. Um, so, yeah, it kind of like up to this point, we still haven't done any marketing. Like, all we did, we spent about, I think, about $100 on uh, Apple marketing, and that turned out to be a real disaster. Like, it was really untargeted, and um, we basically got all these kind of tire kickers, I would say, who downloaded it and they were like, oh, what's this? And then just got rid of it. And so, we realized that doing marketing in a way that wasn't done really well was actually hurting us because it's bad for your rankings for people to download something and then poke around and then delete it basically. So we've, we just kind of kept putting off doing marketing and then it just kind of like kept growing. So, I mean, we're finally at a point now where we're really starting to consider doing some real marketing, but yeah. So most people say, do not believe in build it and they will come, but you guys literally built it and customers just started showing up through because you guys were doing some app store optimization. Yeah. Like, like we made sure that it was visible through like, you know, the right keywords and things. And, um, and that took a bit of experimenting because initially we, we started attracting maybe the wrong like freelancers and things, which weren't people we were really going after because it's very designed around uh, business. So we had to make sure we, we tweaked a few things and it started, um, changing, you know, who would come and go. And then once the sort of retention and the, I guess the, the DAU, MAU ratio, you know, like started getting quite good, you know, people were really using it quite a lot. I think it just helped it kind of slowly uh, make its way up the the various rankings. And I mean, it got to, um, I think it's dropped a little bit in the organic rankings. That's why we need to do some marketing because we've started taking in-app purchases. They've put us on like a slightly different um scale of apps basically mm-hmm. um but it got to like number i think 240 of like u.s business apps just from doing nothing you know mm. what uh what keywords are you guys optimizing around uh well, we started off with like just time clock and then a lot of other sort of long tail ones but then we realized that just time clock on itself wasn't a good thing because we were attracting um these freelancers and people that weren't people we wanted especially when you had we were going to have a business model which was basically going to be well, that was another thing is that it was at that point we still weren't charging anyone. And even so, our business model is still freemium. So uh, people up to like a certain amount of users can just use it free. And if you imagine like freelancers who have like one user, they're never going to pay you. So that's not the kind of people we ever wanted. Um, so we had to, we t- changed it to employee time clock and that helped um, filter out a lot of the freelancers basically. But as that was like the big, you know, like imagine you have your big header tag keyword. And then um, and we actually put it in the name of the application um, on, on the Play Store and the App Store. And then we also had some, you know, 
slightly more long tail ones. But yeah, we were quite focused with our keywords initially. And can you give us a little bit of insight into the scale now? Um, so you started, you know, you put it out there, customers were trickling in, you were stoked when you'd get one, you know, new registered user. How is it being used now? You know, what, what, what's the scale of the, of like your business? Yeah. Um, just anything that could help us kind of, you know, understand the growth rate yeah, currently yeah, and then the trajectory, like what, how, how big can this get? Those, those types of things. Yeah, so we're we're now at about fifteen thousand monthly users, uh, about three thousand businesses, most of them in the states, um, and we we sort of get like sixty to one hundred businesses uh, signing up every day, but that's kind of reaching near a plateau. We think because we rank near the top for most of the most of these words we've been going for, so uh, now is the time that we actually. You know, I think there is a, a limit to how much you can just sit back and let um, organic ranking in the Play Store and, and App Store kind of do the work for you. So right now we, we're very focused on um, before we actually start paying to acquire users. I mean, it's so funny. It's been like two years and we still don't want to pay to acquire users. But like we kind of know now that it's still not quite where we want it to be. So we're going to spend the next two, three months uh, based on all the like year of or 18 months or so of feedback we've had, get these two or three really crucial features in place. And then we'll start looking at um, marketing because we have kind of plateaued a little bit with the, it stayed at that like 60 to 100 organizations for a couple of months now. And we think that that's basically, it was growing like, uh, we were getting like about 20 to 30% month on month growth um, in users, like consistently for the whole time. And then, um, that started to kind of hit a peak. And I think that's because you can only rank so highly and there's only so much uh, search volume, you know? So what's next? What features are you guys working on? Um, what do you, what do you see, you know, what's on the, what's on the roadmap for the rest of 2019 and, and where are you looking to take the business from here? Yeah. Well, so, so the big thing, the initial big thing, so what the, the thing we've always wanted, cause there are other, you know, there's a lot of like time and attendance management software and, but the, the thing we've always wanted to like win the space in has been uh, bringing like automated uh, job tracking and costing to these smaller businesses because it's really crucial. For example, if you're like a small business, say like you have 10 regular staff and you have like a busy period and you take on all these jobs and you hire all this casual labor and uh, they're all running around doing jobs all over the place and then you just write checks for your, your labor and you don't know if actually – some of the jobs made you money, some of the jobs lost you money. And it's really hard for small owner-operator businesses to actually keep track of that. And that's always been our dream of kind of bringing that power of that automated tracking to those smaller businesses because then they're able to actually look at identifying which customers uh, basically just make them a lot more money and which customers are like a waste of time and lose them money, like in terms of different just categories of customers. Um, so the next big thing is we really just want to, at, at this point, we're sort of finishing up, you know, time. We didn't think that just the core nuts and bolts of time tracking in itself and scheduling would take us, you know, 18 months or whatever, but there's a lot of nuances to it. But now the big thing is this job tracking. We just want to be the best at, um, having a very user friendly automated way of, uh, tracking how labor hours are going into different jobs. And especially different uh, remote ones, you know, using geofencing and 
uh, technologies like that. And then later in the year, we want to uh, start integrating a lot more with because uh, with this kind of software, you can be the middle ground between a CRM, for example, and and a payroll, a cloud payroll software on the other end. So we want to start integrating with as many of those as possible, so we can be the, I guess, the boots on the ground where they're more sort of on an office level. So they get the jobs through a CRM, connected to our product, and then we collect the data, and then that goes to a payroll product. Um, and this this small business and like in small team space, I mean, that's a pretty big market, you know, when you look at it globally, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's crazy, and I mean, I think what's sort of different is like like there are big like for example, T sheets is like what you would call like the eight hundred pound gorilla in this space, and they were like acquired by QuickBooks for it was like three hundred forty million or something last year, and they they have like a huge team and they're, they're quite expensive. And I think by the nature of how they also sort of acquire customers through um, incentivizing accountants and things, it means they're more targeted towards like mid-sized businesses, like smaller businesses, but a little bigger. And I think it's really not being served like the, the real 20 and under market. And when you look at just the sheer numbers, like you say, like if you look at like a curve of like um, census data of how many businesses are what size, you know, it, 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 if you start at like one, you know, two, three, four, five, that that's exponentially more of those than there are once they start getting to the size of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, etc. So, if people want to check out the app, where can they find you, and where can they find the product online? Uh, so, if they go to sync.business, um, or uh, that, that's our URL, or they can look for our Instagram, um, sync time tracking. Um, but and yeah, that's, we, we and that's it, sync S I N C, correct? S-I-N-C, yeah, we need to get a lot better. At, we've been kind of honestly because it's just been the two of us for a long time. We only just uh, took on three employees recently. We need to get a lot better, at, you know, our sort of online presence. But um, but yeah, basically, if they go to sync.business, they'll go to the website and see what it's all about. Great. Well, Sam, we really appreciate you uh, kind of sharing your story and some of the technical insights that you've you've worked through, and um, we look forward to tracking you guys over the next couple months. Oh, cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.